Hi, I'm Donnie Funk, and I'm running for City Council in District 4. The City of Lee Summit has many critical decisions ahead of it with the undeveloped PRI land coming available to the market. We cannot outgrow our public safety services or our school district. It is imperative we have an open dialogue and collaborate with our citizens, public safety officials, school district, and our community stakeholders regarding the future of our city. I believe I have the experience and leadership skills to help facilitate these conversations so we can grow responsibly. Hope you'll vote for me on April 7th. Jason, today's episode of the Lee Summit Town Hall podcast is brought to the good people. My Budget Blinds of Lee Summit. Budget Blinds! Hey, hey, did you know that Budget Blinds is the home for Signature Series automated shades? They provide a safer environment for children and pets because of that cordless nature. They are. And you should hail them, for they are our robot shade overlords. That's right, folks. So if you are ready to make your home a smart home, go see our friends in downtown Lee Summit at Budget Blinds. Tell them Jason Nick sent you. Hello and welcome to this Friday Conversation edition of the Lee's Summit Town Hall podcast. Today we are starting off our candidate conversations for the upcoming election. And today we are joined with Steve Lambert running for District 1. Steve, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much. Great to be with you guys. Well, we appreciate you taking a little bit of time and, and I'm going to give you just a really obnoxious, tough question to start this off. <laughs> All right. Why are you running? Well, I've had a wonderful 20 years here in Lee Summit, and um, we have increasingly outside influences. It seems like at work at every level of our lives and our government these days. Uh, and I think we've grown from 100 to 100,000 people over the last 150 years with some good old Midwest common sense. And I want to make sure that we don't write any checks that my grandkids can't cash 20 years from now. I want this to be as create a place for them 20 years from now as it has been for our family for the last 20. All right. Well, you, okay. So you mentioned this in your, in your questions and you, and you did here in your, why you're running. What, what are the, what are the outside influences that you're, you're concerned about specifically as it relates to the city council? I'm, I'm not worried about all the other levels of government since that's not what we're running for, but what are the outside influences that you're concerned about with, uh, in, in the summit? Well, I, you know, this, we're seeing more and more, uh, the National League of Cities and Mid-America Regional Council, outside uh, union groups um, coming in and seeking to change the direction of the city. And a lot of times those people don't have a stake in the game. They don't have to pay the check when the tab is due. Uh, they're not here. They don't have a, any skin in the game. And uh, we're the ones, the citizens who live here, the ones that have to, uh, we stand the, to gain the most or to lose the most based on some of these outside influences that are seeking to change how we run our city, what it looks like. We've got outside influences, subtle, uh, but cultural influences at every level of government telling us this is how a city ought to look. If your city doesn't look like this model city, then you guys are clearly doing something wrong. And I think we've done something very, very right for a long time in this town. All right. Well, let's let's move on to um, talk a little bit about economic development. You mentioned a couple times in your answers that you seem to have uh, some concerns about um, well, it, it's not exactly clear from your answers, but you did mention uh, affordable and workforce housing. Where do you, um, what, is your, what is your stance on, on where we are on that and what, what the needs are going forward? Well, the world has changed, and there was a time when if you built it, they would come. So if you built a, 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 an employer, if an employer built a facility, 
people would move to find that job. Things have reversed now, and we need builders, developers, employers are looking for a workforce that's on hand and ready to hire. And so we need to to develop um, workforce opportunity housing in this area that brings the kinds of professionals. What we need is things like uh, corporate woods because it makes me sad every day to see a lot of good Lee Summit folks getting on 470 and driving to Johnson County, Kansas every day or downtown. So in order to do that, we need uh, to develop the type of housing that will bring young professionals uh, the kind of workforce that brings the kind of businesses that we want to the area. We've got a hidden gym uh, that's the envy of every city in the United States in, in downtown. I mean, the resurgence and redevelopment of downtown is absolutely spectacular. And the new apartments there where the old church used to be will be a great opportunity to bring working young professionals here. They have a very different view. You know, my generation wanted to, to have the 4,000-square-foot house in the subdivision a lot of young people today have no interest in owning a big white elephant. They want to live in an apartment. They enjoy eating out. They want to walk. They need downtown opportunities to, to go to great restaurants downtown, arts, fine arts opportunities. So uh, developing a workforce approach to housing will ev- eventually bring the kind of uh, jobs and revenue to the city that we desperately need. Okay. Um, I, I kind of want to follow up a, a, little, bit, a little bit on that. Um, the last couple of council bodies, when, when projects like you're describing have come forward, they've been hesitant to, to, to back those projects and to do things to, to, to encourage that kind of development. If you're elected, how do you think you will work with, with the rest of the council body maybe to push that kind of project through or to, to maybe change the approach the council takes toward, toward bringing those developments in? Well, I've talked to several council members already who feel like I think are in agreement with me and, and see that same sort of direction. You know, this is, uh, this is an apolitical uh, post. I mean, this is neither Republican nor Democrat. I mean, we all have tendencies towards liberalism or conservatism. But I think everybody can agree that, that uh, at least everybody that I've talked to is in agreement that what we need to see is the type of um, housing in this community that brings the type of people, which in turn will bring the type of commercial development that we need to increase our tax base uh, and to, to make this a complete community because we have wonderful parks and rec and fine arts and beautiful downtown, lots of things. What we lack is some of the, uh, we don't have a corporate woods. And with PRI coming online with 4,000 acres over the next few years, tremendous opportunities to help define what we want this city to look like in the future. And I think within the context of this city, with these city leaders, is the collective wisdom to do that in a way that will be a blessing to this town uh, and not a curse 20 years down the line. Fair enough. When, when these, and I guess we'll kind of roll this into our, our next question, you, when we're addressing these, um, these issues of uh, affordable or workforce housing that, that meets those, that standard that you're, you're talking about, even in the situations where we've had this, we've had a lot of pushback, not only from the council, but honestly primarily from a lot of the neighborhood residents who, who seem very reticent to having different, different types of housing near their housing in that particular question. Which is, I think, leads us to the question of how one, how you would breach the communication gap that seems to exist in this sort of thing, where you can see this system happening, but it's it's a difficult thing for you to communicate. It's difficult for a council person or the city to communicate with the, the residents in that way. How do you anticipate making those communication making those communications? Well. I think um, every city has NIMBYs, as they're known, not in my backyards. 
I, I don't know what you're talking about. Never I, heard. Never, never heard that. Never, never heard of that. Well, I think that there are undoubtedly at least a handful of NIMBYs in this community, and maybe several <laughs> thousand. Uh, and and you know that's understandable. Change is frightening. Change is scary for everybody. But any living being, any body, any organization, any uh, government, any corporation. If it's alive, it grows. If it's not growing, it's dead. And then at that point, we don't have to worry about it. So if it's going to grow, then change is inevitable. But people are always afraid of change. And I think the, the um, type of change that we bring determines the type of uh, response that we get from people. So when we're, you know, there are several different definitions of workforce housing. And one is, is to develop huge amounts of low-income housing. And I think people are concerned about that. They're concerned about the impact it might have on local schools. They're concerned about the impact that it might have on first responders. Um, uh, but the reality is that we need some of that housing for some of the low-income employees that work in this area. But we also need uh, some uh, housing alternatives because, like I said, we live in an era where uh, I take for granted uh, the, the goal was to own a house, to own a home someday, to own a bigger home someday, maybe own, own a home on one of the five lake communities in Lee Summit. But that's not what young people are thinking today. And for many, they're priced out of that market. But for many, they simply don't want a part of that. So as our seniors get older, they're looking for apartment housing. They're looking for, for duplexes, quadplexes, and apartments. Uh, when young people are coming, they're not looking to, to own a big white house. They're, they're at the peak earning years. They're, they're migratory. Many of them came here from Seattle, and their next job will be in Atlanta. They're here for two or three years. So the reality is that if the city is going to continue to grow, uh, the population has to understand that the, the makeup of our community is changing, and it's not going to be, the future's not going to be just more and more and more single-home family development. As, as we look at development, I think I think you are you are not alone in in your answers to our our candidate questionnaire that we send out. And one of the things that you talked about that you were excited and you saw as an opportunity is is the PRI land, and and you mentioned it, you mentioned it earlier. What what gets you excited about that? What do you see when you look at that that says, oh, this is an opportunity? Can you give us a few things that maybe maybe is in your vision for the future of the community? Why this is a big opportunity? Sure, you bet. The uh, apart from PRI, PRI, there's between only between five and ten percent of the this area undeveloped, and every city goes through stages. Um, uh, so we have been in a growth stage for a long time, but eventually we move to a, a stage of maintenance in which the growth is over. There's no place left to grow, and uh, then you begin to think about redevelopment and blighted areas that you can can do something with. But this is our last shot uh, at just lots and lots and lots of raw land to develop. And when that 4,000 acres is gone, uh, we will be quickly moving towards a maintenance community rather than a growth community. So what we do with those 4,000 acres um, will make all the difference in the world in defining the city that we want. I've never been in, intrigued by politics. I, politics do very little for me, but politics inform policy, and policy ultimately shapes the world in which we live. So... That 4,000 acres, I mean, I would love, for example, as I mentioned earlier, to see kind of a corporate woods in that 1,200 acres off to the east of the, of the airport on the other side of 470. But unfortunately, with a runway running east and west, you can't have a three- or four-story building over there. But, but uh, that will determine um, the shape of the community that we live for our grandkids. And that, to me, that's really, um, that's really the whole point. I mean, we can, we can try to create this, our ideal city that's perfect for what we want, but the question is, what will our kids and what will our grandkids want? 
and their their needs, their desires are changing. They don't look like ours. So I think we need to, to it's not like we have unlimited land. We have that 4,000 acres and a little bit more, and it's going to take a tremendous amount of wisdom to develop that in a way that enhances our community both now and in the future. Well, speaking of the enhancement of that or driving the kind of growth that we would like to see for our children or grandchildren and what have um, the city I, has an incentive policy that it uses to help uh, incentivize certain kinds of development. Where do you stand on the city's incentive policy and where might you um, look to make some changes to it in the overall scheme of things as you would serve on the city council? Well, if you're talking about TIF programs, I think they're tremendous uh, in general for commercial development and light industrial. I'm not particularly a big fan of them in residential, uh, but in the, ca- you know, and in the case of uh, Summit fair. I mean, it worked out fabulous. That was, that paid itself off in 14 years, nine years early, tremendous asset for the community. And I think in general, um, commercial property has the ability to do that. I love what's happening downtown though, at the old Methodist church. I mean, that's a perfect spot to put in some of this kind of housing we're talking about for what young professionals are looking for. Uh, and it also makes sense for, for the retired. I mean, the ability to to, to live on the third floor and park your car right outside the hallway door on the third floor and not have to climb stairs or park down the street somewhere. Tremendous opportunity and a real draw uh, uh, for this city for people who want to stay here in their retirement years or young professionals looking to move to the area. And they want to be near downtown for good reason. And so that was the, the only really residential uh, comp project that we've had in the city uh, in its history that has been incentivized with TIF. Is that, a, is that a, the kind of thing that you would like to see continue used, or, or what, what standards would you use whether, before you would consider that again? Well, I think it has to make sense for the goals that we're trying to accomplish, and so every case is unique. But in that case, it was a top-flight developer, great credentials, came in with a wonderful, wonderful plan that's really a benefit and an asset to the city. So in that case, I think it makes sense. Now, when you have large, huge commercial developers who want to come in and they want to be incentivized to develop thousands and thousands of homes or apartments with uh, no stake in the city. I mean, they're going to come in, they're going to develop it, they're going to be gone. They don't care what the long term, you know, it's going to be lovely. It'll look lovely 18 months from now, but what's it going to look like 18 years from now after they're long gone and now we have an aging, declining, uh, high-density housing situation, what's that going to look like? And so that takes, uh, I don't think you can make a blanket statement to say never again. I certainly wouldn't make that statement, but I certainly, on the other hand, wouldn't say that that's my first choice is to look for residential development using the TIF tools. I think it makes more sense for commercial development. Well, I think we're gonna we're gonna wrap up now. We have just just a couple questions, and these are these are important questions uh, as we clo- close out here. The first one, I want you to take about thirty seconds and tell listeners why they should vote for you. Common sense. I think that's the order of the day, and it's what's so often missing. We've got all kinds of. Uh, visionary candidates that have visions for changing the world we live in in dramatic ways, but often it lacks good old-fashioned common sense. And so I don't really want to see Lee Summit become another Florida or another San Francisco. I think common sense of Midwesterners uh, will develop the kind of city we can all live with. Uh, And this is, as they've said, one of the few livable cities left. Okay, your last thing here. And Jason, this is uh, is our, our fourth election cycle third election cycle and we usually don't like to give litmus tests but we have one and this is this is an important important thing if i were to set in front of you a plate of tacos or a plate (laughs) of hamburgers what are you choosing well if it's taco tuesday 
then my decision's already made for a dollar a piece, but any other time, probably a burger. So, so how, where does that stand in the great litmus test? Well, uh, <laughs> it was a very good political answer, yes. actually. I I, I, this, this is undoubtedly a pro-taco podcast. We're not saying burgers are bad, because that's not true. But uh, we, The ceiling is higher. We feel like the ceiling. We have strong opinions on this subject matter, and, and it is subject of an ongoing and, and increasingly loud debate with some of our friends in the community. Uh, but that we we appreciate that you uh, you gave us an answer. You know, it seems fair. And, and well, the election the elections Tuesday, so the election cycle will be over. But have me back on Cinco de Mayo, and we'll. Well, there we go. A platter of tacos and celebrate. Oh, by the way, I think that answer just just really gave what his real answer is. Yeah. There we go. So he's he's with us, guys. All right, Steve. Thank you very much. We appreciate you taking a little bit of time out in an evening to come talk to us and 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 help help the voters get to know who you are, as we are going to try to do with each and every candidate in this upcoming election. Thanks. Yeah, I appreciate what you guys do. It's a service to the city, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to be here and share some of my view for the future. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to give one more sponsor. Thank you, Jason. A big thank you to Shred Casey, who has for many, many months, they have helped bring the Lee Summit Town Hall podcast to the people of Lee Summit. And I got to say this, they have brought the general, the average fitness level of this podcast up by their mere presence. That's true. I, I can live vicariously through those people. Because I have been dragging it down for many more months than that. <laughs> hey, look, if you are ready to make a change, live your life a little more healthy, eat better, get more fit, go see our friends at Shred KC. They are the positive influence and the knowledgeable minds that you need in your life. Tell them Jason Nick sent you. You have been listening to Lee Summit Town Hall, a link to Lee Summit podcast with hosts Nick Parker and Jason Norberry. A proud member of the Fredcast Network, you can subscribe to this podcast on most of your favorite podcast apps and catch us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for all the news, analysis, and conversations on the Lee Summit community. Connect with us on Facebook at Link to Lee Summit or on Twitter at LS Town Hall.